This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Huzo. Huzo is an acronym for human sound. Huzo delivers uniquely enhanced human toning sounds through headphones as well as through pads placed on your major acupuncture meridians on your body, which are your wrist and your ankles, thereby introducing a specific modulated frequency that are balancing and harmonizing throughout your body. One session takes about 30 minutes, and during that time, a strange series of tones create a natural resonance in your body that Huzo claims counteracts the harmful EMFs, toxins, and stresses you are exposed to during the day or just normal living, all while balancing the body, leaving you with a clear head, improved health, better sleep, and the feeling of calmness and well-being. You can try one at www.thisishuzo.com slash rebel. Use the code rebel25 to save $25. The folks at Huzo even have a great payment solution for you with terms up to 12 months. Check it out. I highly recommend this machine. It has changed my life and calmed me out. Thank you and enjoy this episode. But I understand the industry. That's why there has been not one natural therapy approved by the FDA. Not because they don't work. Not because there's no scientific basis for it, but because there's no economical incentive to do it. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Welcome to today's episode of the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. I am super excited about today's episode. I have the one and only Dr. Francisco Contreras. The reason I am so excited to have him is because he treats cancer not in a conventional way and has had much success. He treats the person as a whole person, not the disease. He is a cancer specialist renowned for integrating alternative therapies with conventional cancer treatments. For the last 38 years, he has treated tens of thousands of patients who have come from more than 60 countries seeking alternative cancer treatment at his Oasis of Hope Hospital in Mexico. He has spoken around the world and appeared on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox and Friends. He is the author of 12 books, including his newest release, The Art and Science of Undermining Cancer, which we will be discussing today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Much love and God bless. Dr. Francisco Contreras, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach podcast today, sir. It is an honor, uh, Tom, to be with you. Thank you very much for having me. Man, this is such an honor for me, and I'm a huge fan of you and your work, and it's just amazing what you've 
do and what you've done over the last couple of, or long time, actually, you've been at this a long time. 57 years. Yeah, that's, a, that's awesome. And, you know, we're going to dig in. But before we dive into today's particular topic about of cancer and your latest book, The Art and Science of Undermining Cancer, which I truly loved, one of the reasons I respect you and admire you and your work so much is that you don't float the mainstream as a physician. And you're a bit of a rebel yourself. So, so much so that some of the media, the U.S. media and has labeled you a cancer quack in the past, which yes. I find amazing because the reason they do that is because you don't follow that cookie cutter protocol on the treatment of cancer. You treat the whole person, not just the disease, which I admire so gratefully. But what drove you into this field of oncology and pathology? Well, uh, I have to say that I was born into it. My father founded the Oasis of Hope in 1963. And uh, so even before I went to med school, I, I just knew that I wanted to work with my father and his endeavor. And um, then I went to Vienna and did my surgical oncology training there for five years and decided to come back and, and, and work with my father because he understood, uh, you know, many years back, that uh, the failure of medicine was because we were trained as mechanics of the human body. Mm -hmm. We were disregarding the emotional and spiritual needs that patients have. And as you mentioned, my father was the first one actually who, who started working holistically. And, and they actually coined that word after he began doing that. And, and, and of course, they were, you know, they, they were doing this almost laughingly. And now everybody wants to take into account the, the spiritual and, and emotional needs, especially that uh, patients with quote-unquote terminal illnesses have. And, and so uh, his results started improving tremendously just by addressing those needs. And after then, he also started with alternative medicine. He was, you know, at the beginning of a, a very strict orthodox oncologist, but then uh, um, because of the failure of, you know, classical oncology, he started looking for alternatives. And, and so my father began what is called now integrative oncology almost 60 years ago. And, uh, that I believe is 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 the is the philosophical basis of our work, where we integrate therapies and we apply them holistically uh, to our patients. And um, I'm convinced that that is the reason why our results are so much better in comparison to conventional medicine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's if you think about it. I mean, people going through this or any terminal illness or any quote terminal illness. It's, it's devastating. Yes, and, and, and so, you know, we all know that we're going to die, but when somebody gives you a date, it becomes extremely, extremely uh, bothersome and stressful. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of anxiety. And then because uh, an authority, a medical authority, is giving you that date, well, you believe that, that you have to follow it. You know, and, and so people actually die on the date that the doctors tell them just because they told them. 
<laughs> yeah, I agree. And not only that, but you and I'm sure you agree with this, is that stress is is a huge driver for disease. And if if you have this disease or this cancer or or a heart issues or whatever terminal diagnosis you've have, that that compounding it with more stress is not a good idea. Exactly. Exactly. And and so Hope, on the other hand, is a tremendous force that um, will definitely help uh, uh, cancer patients especially. And, and hope is precisely what we're taught in med school, especially in, in oncological training, that we should not give. It's amazing, you know. We are taught to say, well, you know, uh, according to the statistics, if a patient has cancer of the colon with metastasis to the liver, uh, you know, they have six months to live. And, and so that's when you give a date. And it, it's, it's uh, terribly destructive and leaves a patient hope, hopeless. Right. Uh, and, and just because we want to be very objective and, and we want to tell the truth. So, uh, you know, I've always discussed, well, if you're telling me, because they accuse us of selling false hope. And, and so the question is, so, so if uh, I'm telling the patient that, that he might survive if we do this and that, is that false hope? What is true hope? You're dead? And, and so there is no false or true hope. There is hope or no hope. And, and uh, so we always give hope to our patients. That's why, you know, the name of our institution is the Oasis of Hope, because we know that hope is a tremendous force that can allow people to negotiate for life and negotiating for life is always good. That's amazing. And how did the Oasis of Hope Hospital come about to begin with? Well, as I mentioned to you, my father was a very orthodox uh, doctor. Uh, he was the director of a major uh, oncological center in Mexico City. And he went to a trip uh, around the world to celebrate his 25th uh, wedding anniversary with my mom. And they visited Pergamum, which now is Turkey, but it used to be Greece. And the guy told my father, knowing that he was a doctor, if he wanted to visit the first uh, hospital ever built in history. And this was the uh, temple to Escalepius, the, uh, the, uh, the god of medicine. Hmm. And, and when my father got there, the, the guide explained to him that the patients would first be evaluated spiritually in the temple. Once they were evaluated spiritually, they would be taken to the treatment area where they would be evaluated physically. And then they had emotional therapy every day going through a tunnel. And unbeknownst to the patients, there were holes on the top of the tunnel. You can still see the tunnel. It's still there in the ruins. And, in, in, and on the top, there were per people uh, telling the patients while they were walking in this dark tunnel, you're going to be healed. You can live. You know, very positive messages. And, and my father told me later that it was like a veil that was dropped from his, from his eyes and saying, you know, the failure that we have is because we do not address the emotional and spiritual needs of patients. And so when he went back to this big hospital and said, this is what we're going to do from now on, they did not only applaud him, they kicked him out. <laughs> wow. 
And so my father said, if, if they don't want to do it, I'm going to do it on my own. And that was really the origin of the Oasis of Hope. And my father believed so strongly that the Greeks were on the right path, uh, you know, 2,300 years ago, and that we were not doing the things right. And so that was the origin of the Oasis of Hope. Oh, that's awesome. That's an awesome story. You know, in, in the book, you talk about uh, love your patient as yourself, which is, and also first do no harm, which is Hippocrates, which, and Hippocrates is something we should follow more as well. Yes. Because he was a brilliant man as, as, as you are, but first do no harm. And also all disease begins in the gut, you know? Yeah. The two things, and there's other things that he wrote that are amazing. But I mean, that's something that we get away from as allopathic doctors get away from as well. And in, in our and the way we live is our we live our own lives as well. We get away from that basics of yes. Um, and something that needs to be brought back, in my opinion, with our especially with the allopathic system we have in place here in the United States, we need that more than ever. We do, you know, um, the reasons why the reason why we have these two pillars as our philosophical foundation, first do no harm, which Hippocrates said is that we are not going to give our patients any medication that will not improve their quality of life. And generally, chemotherapy and radiation therapy will deteriorate quality of life of patients. Secondly, uh, love your patient as you love yourself means that I will not give a patient something that I would not take for myself if I, if I had the same condition. So every time that we design the therapy, we design the, uh, the therapy with those two philosophical uh, uh, foundations in mind. We are going to design a therapy that is going to improve quality of life and not deteriorate it. And we would not, we are not going to give it to the patient if I'm not willing to take it myself or give it to my wife or to my mother or to my son. And I strongly believe that when you always take those two things into consideration, that the therapies you're going to be providing to your patients are going to be much more effective. Mm. Mm. That's powerful. And this kind of evolved into your total care approach, correct? Correct. That is uh, precisely it. Everything is in, in that foundation. So our total care approach is that whatever I'm going to do physically for them is going to be beneficial, but I'm, I'm not going to forget that the patients have emotional and spiritual needs. And so in our program at the hospital here at the Oasis of Hope, we have uh, psychologists, we have uh, uh, spiritual leaders, uh, we have uh, laughter therapy, and uh, we're always encouraging our patients as best we can. Hmm. That's awesome. Let's dive into the big C, or cancer. This is one of the world's largest health problems. And every sixth death in the world is due to cancer, is what statistics say. I'm sure it's all more than that. I firmly believe one of the major contributors to this rise in cancer and, and also cardiovascular disease is our environment. What, what do you believe that is causing this rise in cancer and cardiovascular disease 
but we'll talk about cancer today. I won't. But what do you believe is the main cause of this rise in as far as human beings? I mean, it's in, in all over the world, this is growing fast, but not more so in America than anywhere else, I believe, right? Yes, uh, in all developed countries. And um, you're right, you know, Hippocrates said that health is the equilibrium between ourselves and our environment. Hmm. And because we have disregarded so many things about our environment, especially in the production of food, where the main aim is shelf life. Most of our foods are laced with a number of chemicals and preservatives that will keep food almost forever in, in, in the shelf, but will kill us in the short run. So it's a very bad trade. And, and so I agree with you that because we have disregarded our environment so, so badly that one of the consequences of that is uh, chronic ailments. And, and, and so one of the things is that we do at the Oasis of Hope is we educate our patients and we spend a lot of time talking to them about diet and uh, many other chemicals and how to avoid them so that uh, our immune system is not distracted in trying to get rid of all of those toxins, but is fully present for us to fight disease. And, and, and so we strongly believe that uh, doing that will give a, a cancer patient a much better chance to fight their cancers by having a, a stronger immune system. And everything has to do with the immune system, even, you know, spiritually and emotionally. We all know that there are so many published studies that show that emotionally stable patients and happy patients fare much better against cancer than uh, stressed and, and, and unhappy and uh, patients that feel no hope. Um, so hmm. all of that is, you know, works together for, for the benefit of the patient. Ah. Yeah, this is an amazing book. I, I, I just got it. Actually, I bought it on Kindle first, and then I, I bought the hard copy because I plan on sharing it with some friends who are going through this right now. And, you know, I, when I look at the big picture, I think personal care products, are full of toxins, food, stress. And you're right, the immune system. And right now, more than ever, with this COVID here in the United States, you know, um, there's a lot of talk about of our immune system, but nobody seems to do, be doing anything just to, to help people correct it. Yes. For instance, I, I can tell you that uh, it's been a year since we, you know, we were hit with this. None of our patients have uh, de developed symptomatic COVID disease in spite of the fact that they have cancer and, and, and they're older. So they have all of the, uh, you know, uh, 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 risk factors. And I believe very strongly that the reason why our, our patients have been spared from, from uh, symptomatic disease is because of our treatment, uh, because our treatment is about 70% immune uh, therapy and 30% anti-tumor therapy. So we, we stress a lot on working for our patient's immune system. And so it's protecting them also from these viral infections. 
And so I, I would hope that in the near future, we start looking at, you know, working for our immune system more than just, you know, the vaccines and stuff like that. It's amazing that, you know, they're, they're telling all of us that we need to be vaccinated, but yet we, we have to continue wearing masks and we have to social distance and all. So then what's the vaccine for? <laughs> Crazy. I know I'm laughing because here they're closed. I'm in Atlanta and we're not, we're pretty open here. But there's other parts of the country that aren't so open. But yet they have these restaurants that make good, healthy food closed. But yet McDonald's and Burger King are open. Correct. Yeah. Or, and they have gyms closed. Right. And they have strip clubs open. Open. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it really bothers me. And I, I've been kicked off of Facebook so many times I can't even count first talking about it. You know, because but it's true. I mean... There's a McDonald's right down the street from my house. And on my way into the clinic in the morning, there's a line there. And I just, it, it just makes me sick that it's even open to begin with. But yet, this is something that needs, people need to realize, because we're going to get into the immune system right now, because that's the first part of stopping cancer. And it's also the first part of where cancer starts. But you, right. you can't keep doing something over and over again inspect, expecting different results so yeah. every morning when you drive through that mcdonald's for your egg mcmuffin you're just you may you're just shooting your immune system with a bullet correct so let's talk about this because this is like where does can i mean cancer starts with the immune system and the gut health in my opinion i had a gut health in here because without healthy gut you're not going to have a good immune system so let's talk about it it all revolves on that. You're absolutely right. If your immune system is up to par, you cannot develop cancer. That's why we all know this you know, crazy old lady that smoked all her life. She's 95, ate junk, and never developed cancer. She was, she was just born with an incredible immune system. And uh, on the other hand, you know, the, the health nut that drops dead at 40. Hmm. Uh, well, if he had not taken care of himself, he probably would have dropped dead at 15 <laughs> because it was right. such a bad immune system. So in, in, in the treatment of cancer, which is illogical in many, many ways, the, the, the treatments that are most given are very immune suppressive. So you give chemotherapy to a patient that has no immune system, that's why they develop cancer, and then you treat the cancer by killing whatever was left of the immune system. That's why the failure rate is so high. So we have chemotherapy, yes, it, it actually diminished tumor size, but then it comes back with a vengeance because the immune system was completely destroyed. So taking care of your immune system is the most important thing that you can do in your life because not all of us were born with a great immune system. So uh, here at the Oasis of Hope, our main effort is always going to be to improve the quality and quantity of our patient's immune system. And every little thing counts. That's great. What about, let's talk about and I'm probably going to butcher this word, amygdalin. 
B or it's vit- it's actually B it's actually vitamin B seventeen, right? Amygdalin. Amygdalin. Yes. And amygdalin is a, a an extraction from the apricot pits. You can extract it from just about every seed, but the one that most cost effective to obtain from are are the apricot pits. And it's a natural anti-tumor agent that was discovered in the 50s by a team of doctors from San Francisco. Interestingly enough, this uh, team of doctors was a son, a father and son team, and their name was Krebs. Now, if you know German, Krebs is cancer. So the cancer doctors are the ones that discovered this. And uh, it's a treat, a, a natural element that was studied at the Sloan Kettering. There were a number of publications that showed that it was very effective in the laboratory, very effective in, in animals. But it never went to uh, clinical trials in America because, uh, first, you cannot patent it. And it takes a lot of money to get a patent so that you can make your money back. Uh, and secondly, because the mode of action uh, was uh, through cyanide poisoning. And this scared everybody. But, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but without consuming cyanide, little amounts of cyanide on our diets, we would die. Because cyanide is the raw material for cyanocobalamin. Cyanocobalamin is B12. (laughs) So we need to consume a little bit of cyanide every day. And that's why God put cyanide in many foods, like all berries have cyanide. There's about 1,300 different types of foods that have a little bit of cyanide. So this whole thing about cyanide was completely crazy. But that's the way it kills cancer cells. And the reason it kills cancer cells and it does not kill any other type of cell is because many cancer cells do not have the capability of converting the cyanide into cyanocobalamin. And so the cyanide stays there free and kills that cell. All normal cells will convert it. So that's why it's non-toxic. You know, the the name vitamin B17 stuck because they did the Krebs doctors, they actually felt that it was a vitamin, but it isn't. The raw definition of a vitamin is an element that if you lack a certain amount, you become sick. And if you have zero of it, you die. Okay. If you have zero amygdalin, you do not die. So it's not B17, but because of the cyanide connection, and it has a structure similar to the B vitamins. It was called B vitamin B17. Okay. But, it is, but we all know it as vitamin B17. Do you think they labeled it B17 to, to stay out of trouble with the, the medical field? No, no. They, no. Actually, they actually thought that it was a vitamin okay. way back in the Now, if this, you've been using this for a long time, correct? Yeah, 57 years. Well, I'm a little bit less. Yeah, around 55 years. So you've been using the Magdalene for a long time. Why don't you think this is catching on mainstream? Is it because of financial gains? Well, just, uh, you know, a lot of people feel that there's, um, that there's a conspiracy against natural things. Okay. And there might be. 
But the truth is that in order for you to get approval by from the FDA to to sell anything medically, you have to do a number of clinical trials and a lot of studying. And the average expenditure nowadays is about $800 million. If you do not get a patent, the day that you register that, anybody can do it. And you will never get your money back. So my father registered this in Mexico in the six, late 60s. And at that time, it cost my father about $700,000, which was a lot of money. It's still a lot of money. Right. But it was a lot of money for us. The next day that it was approved in Mexico, about eight other laboratories started doing amygdalin. And we lost, we lost the business. My father never made that money back. So I understand, you know, it didn't break him, thank God. But I understand the industry, why they, that's why there has been not one natural therapy approved by the FDA. Not because they don't work. Not because there's no scientific basis for it, but because there's no economical incentive to do it. Oh, my goodness. It's very sad that that's the way it is. And unless that changes, we will never have anything approved. Again, not because there's no scientific basis. Everything that we do here, it, there's a tremendous amount of science behind it. For instance, vitamin C in high dosages. All of the studies were done by the NIH and the NCI in Bethesda, published but they were never done, it never got to uh, to be a practical thing because it cannot be patented so when we designed the 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 our protocol on vitamin b uh, on vitamin c in high dosages was based on those publications we got in touch with the main researcher in Bethesda he was flabbergasted that we did this because in america it was never going to be done wow and so uh, uh, there's there's a, a lot of things like curcumin. There's hundreds and hundreds of published studies on the effectiveness and how good it is for a cancer patient. Yet it has not been approved, not for lack of scientific basis, but because it didn't go through the clinical trials of safety and efficacy, which are extremely costly. But again, you do that and laboratories are going to start doing it immediately and then all of the money they just spent proving to the FDA that it's uh, safe and effective you lose it so you do use high dose vitamin C as well yes okay yes, it's a big part of our therapy wow do you have a minute to describe how amygdalin actually works yes so um, when when amygdalin goes into your body Cyanide is, re cyanide is released into every cell. And our, our normal cells can have an, a, a couple of enzymes that will convert that cyanide into cyanocobalamin, which is B12. Okay. But many malignant cells do not have that enzymatic environment. And if, don't, if they don't have those enzymes, that cell is going to die. Now, if all cancer cells 
did not have those enzymes, well, this would be the cure for cancer. But unfortunately, many tumors and many malignancies, uh, many malignant cells will have that capability. And in those patients, that, uh, that uh, amygdalin is not going to work. So uh, it, we know that it's an anti-tumor agent. It's a mild anti-tumor agent that can help many, many patients, but it's not the solution for cancer. Okay. Okay, good. All right, let's dive into chapter three, because I really, I, I love this book on so many levels. I can't wait to finish reading it. I mean, it's a, it's a large book, and I was trying to get it done before you popped on here. So I, I, I think I made it to chapter six before today. You're, you're, you're far into it. So, but let's talk about chapter three, because you talk about, you start off talking about David and Goliath, and this is a great story. And I love how you relate this to cancer, but could you really share with us the story, or not really the story of David and Goliath, but how this relates to cancer? Well, <clears throat> uh, of course, uh, uh, Goliath is, uh, is the cancer and David <laughs> is us. Okay. We're fighting, you know, this this uh, cancer, and uh, so the, the the foe has been so enormous that a lot of people feel that it, there's no way that we can fight this cancer, which isn't true. And and by undermining cancer in uh, in a multi prong approach, we can definitely beat cancer. And uh, there's there's miracles involved. There's no question about it. And we experience 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 them all the time. But we can through small efforts, like those little pebbles that that David used in in his swing, definitely destroy uh, cancer. And uh, so do not be afraid of that Goliath, because a lot of time a patient when they see well, it's Goliath and it's like the Jewish people and the, the army. They just gave up without, without, without putting any type of a fight just because the foe is too big. And, and so our aim is to, to, to let people know that even though the giant may be too big, that there's always something that you can do and that you can be successful in fighting this, in fighting, um, in fighting. Wow. I love that because it says be, in the book, it says, be courageous no matter how large the enemy is, to your point. Listen Correct. to your positive inner voice and the encouraging words of the Lord and protect yourself from the negative words and thoughts of others. And that's so true because I'm a firm believer in, and I'm sure you are as well, that first of all, God made our bodies immaculately. Mm -hmm. And that Given the right, wonderfully made, says the Bible. That right, so wonderfully made, perfect. But given the right environment, our bodies will heal. That's self. Correct. So we were designed, and that's, that's why from one day to the next. And that's why he made plants that will heal us, like curcumin and amiculin. I'm, I'm, I'm going to butcher that again. I'm going to call it B17 from now on because that way I don't have to butcher it. <laughs> but, I mean, that's why he made stuff like apricot seeds and curcumin. And there's so many things. And there's so many things that food will heal. 
because God, when he was walking the face of the earth, there was no medications. There were no medications yet for thousands of years, and yet we survived. Well, love is one of them. I mean, stress, they didn't have much stress then. And if you watch the documentary that you were on with David, or Mr. Kennedy, Daniel Kennedy, not David, I was thinking about David and the Goliath, but with (laughs) Daniel Kennedy and the countries he visited, most of those countries have little stress. And also, they eat small meals of real food, and they also eat with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So that love and that taking time to eat slowly with other people and enjoy company and the love and also smaller meals and the lack of stress is why people are healthier. I totally agree with you. You know, on the onset of this documentary, the, 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 the basis was that we wanted to prove that diet was the main thing. And it is a very important factor, but the, the diets are, are very different one, from one place to another. Right. The common denominating factor was happiness. Mm. That was the common denominating factor. Mm. And that was, you know, so amazing to me because for us here, being happy is one of the most important things that we can teach our patients because I, I teach my patients You know, the difference between a victor of cancer and a victim of cancer is not the outcome of the therapy. Listen to this. So whether you are cured or not, you can be a victim with a complete cure. I'll explain this to you. A patient that has very good results, but then they can't sleep because they don't know when it's coming back. They're still a victim of cancer, even though... They have no evidence of disease. And we have patients that, you know, come to us and say, well, man, I know that this cancer is bad, but it's the best thing that has ever happened to me. Wow. Why? Well, because I was disregarding so many things about life. I didn't take care of my children. I wasn't paying attention to my wife. I I was just not enjoying the things that God gave me because I was preoccupied with things. And now, thanks to this cancer, my eyes have opened. So this person with cancer is a victor in comparison to the patient without cancer who is a victim. So being content, you know, in in the phases that people go through with cancer, anger, uh, disbelief, uh, negotiation, the last one is acceptance. And really, it, it, it should be that you are you not only accepted, but, but you're content with the fact. And when you're content, the cancer is like, wow, I'm not putting any fear in this person anymore. I'm going to go someplace else. And, and so patients that are content with what they have, and they know that they're being responsible, they're doing everything that they need to do, but then they say, you know, God, I'm doing everything. I leave it all up to you. That's when miracles happen. And, and so I was, I was astounded that longevity is about the same thing. It's just people being content with what they have, enjoying life. As you said, they're never alone. They, they enjoy meals with other people. 
I think that's so immune stimulating that they live a hundred years or more. Hmm. And you know, it's it's funny because I was thinking as I was writing or writing notes for the show, how my grandparents and our and, and well, your father and and even yourself. I mean, and myself. I mean, when we were kids, life wasn't so stressful. You know, we didn't. We, you know, we went out and played, we got dirty, we had fun. And my grand, my, my grandfather would walk to work. Now nobody wants to walk, you know. I mean, even in the parking, even at the parking lot in the mall, everybody's trying to find a closer spot to the door, you know. So it's just, it's, 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 it's a different world. And, and you're right. Like, I know there's an episode coming out that hasn't released the episode with you because he did one special episode with you. Daniel did one episode with you alone, I believe, right? Yes, uh, especially the addressing COVID. Hmm. And I ha- that hasn't come out yet. No, but it's. I, I think I think he has already finished it, and and hopefully it it'll be up uh, soon. Um, yes, I'm waiting. I love that. I love that series completely. One thing I want to talk about here in, in chapter four, you talk about the plan of attack. We've talked about amygdalin, but let's talk about what other, one of the things that cracked me up is, is you were at, I, it looks like you were at a conference somewhere in Canada. It, start, it starts out the chapter and then somebody asked you what type of medicine you practice. <laughs> yes. And you said, my answer was I practice good medicine. <laughs> yeah. So, because the question was, uh, well, do you do alternative medicine or or, or conventional medicine? <laughs> right. And I said, well, I just want to practice good medicine. I don't. <laughs> well, and then you, yeah, and then you went on to say that alternative doctors want to juice away, juice away the disease, which is true. I mean, most if you, if you go and study this, most people that get cancer are told to go on a juice diet or stopped. Matter of fact, I know a, a couple people that have completely reversed it, just juicing their way out of it. And the, and the other side, the conventional doctor wants to chemo and radiate to death. Mm-hmm. You know, and if, and if it, it, and so it, there's two sides, but let's talk about how you treat cancer other than immoculate B6 and 17. What are some of the other aspects that you use to treat cancer? Well, you see, there's no question that there's still a lot of pieces of the puzzle that are mis- missing. Okay. And I believe that the alternative side has a good number of pieces to the puzzle and that the conventional side has some pieces to the puzzle. So I want to put together, you know, most of the pieces. And so our approach, as I mentioned to you at the beginning of the show, is, is an integrative approach because there, there are some things that, you know, conventional medicine is very good at. So let's say that that we have a patient that has a tumor of the colon and and this tumor is blocking the pa- the blocking the patient's gastric tract. So we can't juice this tumor out of it, you know, whatever we give that patient to drink or eat is going to kill them because they're blocked. Mm. So the first thing that I need to do is resolve the plumbing issue with surgery. And once I've resolved that, now I can give that patient juices. Okay. So there are some tumors or, or the patients come uh, to us with such a, a massive amount of tumor mass 
for instance, uh, a large tumor in the lungs that is not allowing the patient to breathe. And if I give amygdalin or B17 in vitamin C and it's going to take three, five weeks for this tumor to diminish its size, well, the patient is going to die. So radiation therapy may open up those bronchi in two or three days. It's not the ideal. But now I have a breathing patient where I can give amygdalin and vitamin C in high dosages and everything else. So uh, we, we have to look at every possible thing to give our patients. So if a patient can't eat, giving them juices, is that doing the patient no harm? No, right. that's actually harming the patient. So that's something that I'm going to do. Would I do it to myself? Well, of course I would do surgery to, uh, I would uh, open myself to surgery if they're going to resolve the plumbing so that then I can take the, the, uh, uh, the natural therapies. So that's part number one. Part number two is that in, in working with the immune system, there are many interesting things about the immune system that we are finding out and we have found out here much sooner than in America, is that a cancer works with the immune system in a very negative way by hiding itself from, from us. Uh, so they produce certain chemicals that, that will not allow our immune system to see the actual tumors. Mm. And, and so we have to awaken the, the immune system to that fact. And, and so we use many things to do that. Uh, another thing is that the cancer will then destroy the immune system actively. That is, it is very immune suppressive. So we have to give immune stimulating agents as well. And uh, so there are many approaches that we look, that we take to help our cancer patients. And that's why our, our approach is multi-pronged. We, we, we work with elements that deregulate the immune system. We work with elements that stimulate the immune system. We, we work with agents that will destroy cancer cells. We work with agents that will allow our body to regenerate. Um, and, and so this is this integrative approach that we take. And we take into account anything that has scientific basis and is well uh, researched. That's great. That is awesome. In chapter six, you talk, you, I don't know how the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles popped into a cancer book, but this <laughs> is such a great analogy that I have to have you go into it before we go on to a couple of little topics before we close out. How did the, two, the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles end up in a book about cancer? Well, as, as you remember, there, there's, there are several of them and everyone has a specialty. Okay. And, uh, and so what we, what, what we wanted to, to convey with, with this is that we are going to take into account, you know, uh, the, the, the specialty of, of different agents for us to be able to, to fight cancer more effectively rather than just one or, or, or two major bombs. We, we want this uh, trained ninjas to be able to uh, um, uh, to exploit the, the 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 body's functions in a way that 
we can aim them against uh, against the tumor. So, as as you recall, the turtles have this shields, right, in, right, in, in backs, and and so we want to help our normal cells be shield shielded from from the attack of of malignancies, and so uh, that's why you know we 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 use this analogy, okay. And then the elements of the of the cross are also, you know, with calcium, and and so we go into explaining all of the benefits that uh, that this protective agents, uh, I mean, protective shields that the turtles have, uh, we can use uh, in order to uh, try to build the shields for our normal cells, and and um, be more effective in in, to, in fighting cancer. So that you know, we we use all sorts of uh, uh, examples like that. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. And, and one of those was, uh, I mean, in the chapter, it goes on to talk about glycemic index and cancer thrives on sugar because oh, right. uh, my friend whose wife is going through this right now, I, I, they're asking me what, I said, well, first of all, no sugar for you. Correct. And I bought her a t-shirt that says no sugar for you because cancer th- is it's it's like a pack it's like a a pac-man the game the pac-man yes and the sugar is those little white dots it just you know so you know that's one thing that's got to go when you get get diagnosis you got to cut the sugar down and even if you want to stay cancer free you need to limit i mean i try and stick around 25 to 30 grams of sugar a day at max Mm-hmm. is my goal. And that, does, and that doesn't always happen, you know, because sugar. there's a lot of hidden sugars. So my goal is to stay between 20 to 30, and that's hard to do, but it, and it happens most days, but some days it doesn't. Well, they do very well. Now, remember that the prevention of cancer, it, it's, in, it's done in, at many levels. And so when you do not have cancer, you do not have to go to zero sugar or so low. Right. It is very important for a cancer patient. Now, it's amazing to me that when patients ask doctors, you know, well, doctor, what should my diet be? And, and the doctor says, well, you can eat whatever you want. <laughs> and patients will read this differently. You know, the, the doctor says that because he does not believe that diet will play a role. But right. the patient reaches that, whoa, I'm dead, you know, and, mm-hmm. and this doctor just wants me to enjoy life for whatever left I have. And then the doctor says, well, no, sugar has nothing to do with it. And then they write, they write you a prescription to do a PET scan. Mm. Do you know how PET scans work? No. Well, a PET scan is an X-ray, a, a very sophisticated X-ray, where they inject into the patient the contrast material, which is sugar. Oh, my goodness. And this sugar is tagged with a radioactive material. And so what happens is that when it goes to your body, tumors consume so much sugar, it grabs the sugar, and the tumors actually light up. That's how it's... And so we as doctors know that tumors have to consume a lot of sugar in order for the pet to light up. And yet, illogically, they don't tell the patient, well, you shouldn't eat sugar. Hmm. <laughs> it is, you know, common sense, very uncommon in medicine. 
Yes, I'll agree with that. That's a matter of fact, that's a beautiful quote. Common sense is very uncommon in medicine. I got some questions. I know your time is short today. So I want to talk about a little bit about estrogen, progesterone, and cancer, and testosterone and cancer. Yes. Because a lot of physicians, estrogen is actually protective. So a lot of allopathic physicians will give people estrogen blockers. Also, when women, when you talk to a woman about hormone replacement therapy, their first thing is that causes cancer. So let's, can you, and then also with men and testosterone and prostate cancer, can you clear that up a little bit for us? Yes. It's a very, very important and pertinent uh, question. I don't know if you know this, but there's a list of carcinogens that the FDA uh, publishes. Carcinogen is they're, they're elements that cause cancer. Okay. And so they're listed because uh, it is very important for everybody to know that if your product has this, you have to label it. So I don't know if you have seen when you go into an airplane, for instance, there's a big sign there on the side that says that this plane may have some elements that can cause cancer. And so cigarettes have to label, right? That they right, right. So one of the elements that is listed there is estrogen. And you say, what? This is, this is, this is not possible. Estrogen is a completely natural element that God gave us. How can it be a cancer-causing agent? Well, unfortunately, it is. And, and so what God in his design did was that we were going to be, especially women, we're going to be exposed to estrogen during a certain period of time. And they were going to have certain breaks during the month. Uh, and that's why menstruation happens. It's a cycle where women are exposed to estrogen because without that cycle, babies could not be born. And uh, they were supposed to start having this estrogen at age 16 or 17, estrogen exposure. Then, you know, every month to have a break and then have children. Every time when you are, when, when women are pregnant, they're not exposed to estrogen. So that, that's another break. And then menopause happened. And uh, uh, so you were also had another big break. And these breaks would protect you from developing cancer. Unfortunately, women now, because of, of our diet, which has many estrogen-like substances, girls start menstruating instead of at 17 at, at 10 or 9 years old. Secondly, once they're adults, they, they, they don't want to have children, so they don't have the breaks of the children. And they, they take uh, uh, the birth pill, which is... Uh, based on estrogen. And then when they are menopausic, they don't want menopause, so they take more estrogen. And, and so they never had those breaks that were intended to be there. And that's why the incidence of breast cancer is through the roof. Because we're breaking those laws that were established by God. And, and so we, we are actually swimming in an ocean of estrogen substances in everything, plastics leach out chemicals that structurally are all almost the same as estrogen. Many of the preservatives are, you know, hormone, hormonal. 
And so that is why, you know, uh, estrogen can be a very bad thing for us because it's an overexposure to what we were designed to live with. Uh, so I hope that this very winded explanation yeah. helps, helps yep. us understand that, you know, why estrogen can be so bad for us. What about testosterone? I mean, there's, there's a, a misconception, in my opinion, that t- testosterone replacement therapy cause, raises the risk of prostate cancer. Well, there is no question that the, when, when, when the PSA is higher, we, uh, uh, we should try to lower uh, testosterone levels. When there is cancer, you know, the hormone therapy is to block the production of, of testosterone because testosterone will feed the, the cancer. So there are cancers that are hormone dependent. Okay. For breast cancer, many of them, not all of them, are hormone dependent. So a treatment is to block the production of estrogen in women. Okay. And so one of the treatments uh, for prostate cancer is to uh, stop the production of testosterone or block the action of testosterone because the tumors depend on that hormone. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. I was reading about a, a doctor in, I think he's in North Carolina. Jorge Fletches, about iodine, uh, absence of iodine in the cells that is, causes cancer. Do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, yes there are some studies, uh, this has been known for a while, that low iodine levels can lead to cancer. One of them, obviously, is a thyroid cancer. There are some other cancers that are related to this. And... Uh, uh, for instance, in, in countries where there are very low levels of iodine, they have a very high incidence of goiter. Mm. And uh, goiter will increase the risk of developing cancer of the thyroid. So um, there are many elements like that. Calcium would be one of them. Mm. Um, that Or zinc, that lower uh, levels of zinc in your, in your, in your bloodstream will increase the risk of you developing uh, some sorts uh, or some types of, of cancers. Okay. All right. What Do you currently use any cannabis or uh, medicinal mushrooms in your therapies? Um, you know, for, for a long while, I was pretty much against it because of my Christian background, anything right. to do with drugs and drug addiction. I was very, very against it. But... I can tell you that in the last couple of years, the, the literature is very compelling on how good marijuana and the derivatives of marijuana can be good for a cancer patient. They started by improving quality of life and appetite because cancer patients lose their appetite. And, and so pot can help them quite a bit in, in, this, in this way. And then uh, now there are many articles that, that show the anti-tumor activity and the immune-stimulating activity of marijuana. Hmm. So after reading that, uh, you know, so many articles, I'm willing uh, to make the Oasis of Hope a very happy place <laughs> once it's approved. <laughs> <laughs> a very happy place. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so it is the, the the literature is very compelling. Many, many, many of our patients uh, uh, that are coming from the states and Canada, where it is available, 
they are combining combining it with with our with with our okay. treat. How about medicinal mushrooms like shaga, reishi? Oh yes, the, those we have been using for many many years. Okay, all right. Very immune stimulating. Very good. All right. Before we close out, first of all, at the end, I love what you wrote. Do all that is possible. Trust God to do the impossible. And then you put, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. I love that Matthew 19, 26 verse. So, but before we say goodbye, first of all, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this interview and you sitting down with me today. But what would you like to close out with? I mean, first of all, your book's amazing. And I believe there's a, you can get a, I've, I've, like I said, I bought an Amazon hard copy and I have a Kindle version, but you can actually get a free download, correct? Somewhere. I know that before it was in Amazon and before the books were available, Daniel actually had it for free. Uh, But I'm not sure that that is possible. Okay. All right. That's fine. That's fine. But I I really highly suggest anybody that has dealt with cancer or has cancer or has a loved one with cancer pick up this book. I'll put the links in the in the show notes uh, for Amazon where you can get it. But do you have anything to close out with before you go for the day? Yes, I would like to tell anybody that is listening to us that that either has cancer or has a loved one with cancer that there's a tremendous amount of hope that cancer is not a death sentence. You know, one of the things that I tell my patients when they they tell me, well, you know, the doctor told me that I have only three months to live and I'm sitting before them. And I I tell them, hey, listen, I don't know who's going to be back here tomorrow, you or me. Nobody knows. Only God knows and God is sovereign and he will take us home when he feels that is the best time for us to go home. In the meantime, we are going to negotiate for life because if you have Jesus in your heart, how long are you going to be in heaven? Right. Forever, right? right? It's a long time. So what's the rush? (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. I have no, I'm I'm in no hurry to go to heaven. And and I know this is going to be the best place. And, 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 but God made this earth for us to enjoy it. And as long as I'm enjoying it and I'm serving the Lord, I want to be here and I want my patience to be here and we're going to negotiate for life. And God is great. There's a lot of miracles happening every day. And so I just want you to know that there's hope for everybody with cancer and that there are many, many treatments available for them, not only chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery. Awesome. How how can people, dot Dot com, and I'll put that in the show notes. You also have a website called Cancer Treatment Plan. Is that still up? That is still up, okay. yes. And then and our number is 888-500-HOPE. Okay, what was that again? 888-500-HOPE. Okay. Well, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate you, and God bless you. Thank you for taking your time today. Um, Thank you very much. And I hope that this has been helpful to you and to your listeners. Oh, absolutely. And I can't, uh, hopefully someday, I just told Daniel the same thing, that I can get down there to visit the Oasis of Hope uh, Hospital in Tijuana. I hope you come. It would be a a good experience. Yes, yes. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. 
You're very welcome. God bless. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.